Pixel Therapy is a member of the But Why Though Podcast Network. Go to butwhythopodcast.com for an inclusive geek community offering pop culture news, reviews, and podcasts. I just want to start by saying, like, thank you. Thanks for hitting download. Thanks for hitting download 50,000 times. Holy yeah, shit. Yeah, to the one person who hit download 50,000 times, we're really grateful to you, <laughs> our one listener. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Pixel Therapy, the video game podcast where we look at the games we play through the lens of the player, where what you play is just as important as how you play it, and where emotional intelligence is a critical stat. Every other week, we bring on a guest who may or may not consider themselves a gamer to discuss the games that have made them and changed them and all the feelings they have about our favorite pastime. I'm your co-host, Jamie, pronouns she here. And I'm your co-host, Spencer, pronouns they them. And this is Pixel Therapy. Remember, if you're a fan of Pixel Therapy, there are several ways you can help support the show. And the most generous of those ways is to come on over to patreon.com slash pixeltherapypod and subscribe for just $2 a month. Your subscription not only goes to support the work we do here on the podcast, but it unlocks a monthly bonus episode that we call Co-op Mode. That's just Spencer and I chatting it up about games, life, and whatever else tickles our fancies. And uh, we'd love to have you join us over there. But if Patreon's not in the cards for you, that is also okay. And you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice because that sort of thing does have a real impact. And if we like what you write, we may just have to read it on the show sometime. All right. It's time to get cozy. Pull up an armchair. Feel free to lie down on your couch or your floor or your bed. <laughs> One of those. <laughs> or, or your in hammock. A, in a recliner. Ooh, a hammock. Yeah. Or lay down, lay in your pool and float into the oh. middle of it. But then how are you listening to the podcast if you're floating in your pool? Uh, you're just blasting it out of your in-home speaker so that the whole block can enjoy. Wow. Wow. All right. Um, yeah, so do that if you want. Uh, but it's time to get cozy and we're going to talk about some feelings. Spencer, how are you doing? I'm well. It's, it's quite crisp. <laughs> out here today it is fall is i want an f word that fall could be fall doing has flung. <laughs> flung uh all right we'll we'll workshop it i'm not i'm not sold on fall has flung. Fall has fucked spread right off whoa no we like fall <laughs> i like fall fucked in fall fucked sucks in? Fall does fuck. fucks, that's good. Yeah, that's good. As that's opposed good. to being fucked, which is bad. <laughs> yeah, don't. But be also could be good, depending on. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on what you're looking for, but fall fucks. Yeah, yeah. I'm good with fall fucks. Great. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, uh, I'm just loving the colors. I'm loving getting up and having an excuse to fire up a wood stove. Like mm. I've been burning logs and that's been really nice. Love the smell. Sounds like a euphemism. I know. It does. <laughs> no, I just like to watch flames licking up the side of a curling mm. wood log. I don't, there's no way to talk about this. It doesn't sound weird, but. I so apparently just, fire fucks too. Yeah. Fire does fuck. It does fuck. I mean, listen, the hottest thing about, this is a random aside, but Howl's Moving Castle 
One okay, of the yes. hottest things about Hal is that he has a sentient fire buddy. Mm. Like Calcifer, right? Yeah, Calcifer. <laughs> yeah. Except in the in the English like translated version, Calcifer is voiced <laughs> Billy by Billy Crystal. Crystal. <laughs> Not the sexiest voice. I don't know what you're talking about. He's the epitome <laughs> of sex appeal. <laughs> you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. No shade to Billy Those Crystal tones all over yeah. the world. <laughs> <laughs> if Billy Crystal does it for you, please lean into that. Yeah. I, I support you just doesn't do it for me yeah i mean looking at my youtube history it's all all of my videos have been like six hours of falling asleep in Hal pendragon's living room and it's like the sound of a crackling fire while like miyazaki piano plays on repeat and that's how i get through my work days lately honestly that sounds wonderful (laughs) i really love the like uh the the fire just the videos Mm, the the like long long hours long videos of the fireplace Mm -hmm. Uh, because our house our house doesn't have a wood burning stove or a fireplace um but yeah when it's when it's cooler outside, putting that putting mm-hmm. the fire up on the screen and just listening to it crackle, it's not bad. That's good, it's not man. A bad thing. Yeah, I think the last time you had a New Year's party, you put slapped that log on the screen, <laughs> and we had a sure lovely evening. It yeah. felt warm. I don't know something about it. It's just instant ambiance. Yeah, it is. It is. It. And we should yeah, start playing a crackling fire in the background of our episodes. Oh my god! Make them like real fireside <laughs> real chats. Yeah, cozy vibes. Yeah. Tell me about you. How are you? How are you this weekend? Oh, I'm I'm doing all right. Uh, bought a car. Ba-ba. We talked about this a bit on our last uh, <laughs> our last Patreon episode, um, but I officially have the car now, and yes. it's at home. I drove it wow. for several miles, and no one didn't died. Get in any accidents? Nobody died. <laughs> knock on wood. Um, now this is a yeah. I haven't owned a car in over a decade Mm. and i haven't driven more than a few times a year in over a decade so it's big Mm. but with our new home uh gotta get the car to be able to get around in the area that we live in now it's just not um not as conducive to public transit and walking as the previous areas that we lived in it's a little bit more rural so I wish video games kind of set this unrealistic standard that you can truly walk anywhere and never get tired and that walking (laughs) is like a really restorative like i feel like so many games as you're walking you're healing and gaining health (laughs) like when i walk it's like slowly i'm losing one hp point every 10 steps (laughs) yeah the like the thigh chafing (laughs) yeah and the sweating and the sweating and then your feet hurt Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's just like not realistic we work on that please yeah well i mean just a couple weeks ago we started going uh back into the office so i was like trying my commute for the first time and on the one hand like it's really nice to be like out walking around doing the commute again. Like there were aspects of that that was really nice, but it was also like, I realized like midway through the day, I was like, I have been more mobile today. Mm. It was like four hours than I've probably been for the entire year of the pandemic. Mm. Um, I used to walk all around the city of Boston, had some great calluses on my feet all built up. <laughs> so Those strong. were gone. I, <laughs> I like, my feet, like immediately blistered. They were uh, like, no, what is this? Yeah. 
<laughs> like, ah, oh, Jesus, got to get these calluses built back up. Yeah, I'm used to being the barefoot Contessa here at home. <laughs> What's this going outside and wearing shoes business? I forgot yeah. how to match shoes to my outfit. What's that mean? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I don't even know. Oh I had to God. buy, like, all new clothes. Just haven't even, haven't clothes shopped in almost mm. two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just ordering everything online now. I've decided that going into a fitting room is a trigger Mm-mm. and so i'm yeah. strictly measuring myself and then ordering things online actually jamie you just turned me on to dapper boy i, did, I just yeah. ordered some pants from them and i can't wait to have masculine shaped pants that fit my hip to waist ratio i love that i'm so excited for you <laughs> thank you so thank excited you. for you you know what commutes let's let's bring someone needs to invent a real um a steed that comes to you no matter where you are you press a button or you whistle <laughs> and a steed comes out of nowhere and is ready for you to ride by a steed you that. mean a horse right like you like want a, a horse? horse but like i feel bad about riding my like what if my horse doesn't want to go into boston like i want like True. a mechanical horse or something mm-hmm. like an ai horse that i don't have to feel bad about making his yeah hooves go on the concrete yeah that's true and then <laughs> i just there's a lot of upkeep for a horse that the games yeah. kind of gloss over, right? A like lot. in a video game, the horse just like takes care of itself. Mm-hmm. It's it's feeding itself, it's doing what it needs to do. If it's sleeping, that's on the horse. Uh in real life, I've Bob heard poop. I've heard that they require a lot of effort. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of poop. Yeah, I guess poop. Red Dead sort of was sort of prepped us with the real life <laughs> pooping and uh <laughs> And brushing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of video games, transition, yeah, yeah. transition. What are what are you playing? Artful. Um, <laughs> well, actually, it's more like what are you playing, and what did Spencer decide they needed to do next because their gaming idol has was doing it. <laughs> but we um, we're yeah. playing Life is Strange: True Colors. Yes, we are. I said it like that, but it's like not. <laughs> I don't know, True Colors makes it sound like it's pride, baby. We're, like, learning about ourselves. It's fun. And it's, like, it goes places. Story goes it's the, places. It's the colors of emotions. Oh, Those right. are the colors. You can see someone's true colors wow, with the colors superpower of empathy. Maybe the real colors were the friends we made along the way. Oh, uh, but on a more serious note, so True <laughs> Colors, Life is Strange, True Colors, newest entry in the Life is Strange series um, that's been going for, oh, several years yeah, long now. awaited. Long, yeah, yeah. Um, this is the third official, no, not third, it's the, it's basic, I don't know, it's being considered Life is Strange 3. There's Life is Strange the first season, and then there was a prequel, Life is Strange Before the Storm, and then there's Life is Strange 2. And this is essentially Life is Strange 3. So it's the um, fifth installment, but third main <laughs> game. Yes, something like that. <laughs> they, you know, all these developers can't figure out what they're trying to do here. Um, but this came out a few weeks ago in September. It's out on most platforms. Um, I played it on PlayStation. Are you playing it on PlayStation? Yes, as well? yes I am. PS5, baby. Yeah, Sony ponies all the way. It's vivid. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> it is vivid. Um, but essentially the the um I don't know, the description of what a Life of Strange game is is they are episodic, narrative, um kind of 
dialogue decision based sort of choose your own adventure style games. Um, they also all the reason there that life is strange <laughs> in the life is strange games is that they all tend to revolve around uh, so a character in the story who has some sort of supernatural power. In the first game, uh, the main character, uh, Max Caulfield, had the ability to rewind time for a short, uh, short, like, little bursts. Mm. In um, Life is Strange 2, the main character's younger brother uh, could move objects with his mind. And in Life is Strange True Colors, the main character, Alex Chen, that you play as, uh, has the power of empathy, which uh, <laughs> essentially means that when people experience strong emotions around her, she sees the emotion reflected as an aura. She sees their true colors <gasps> emerging from within, and she's able to um, like r- absorb some of that emotion and essentially read their minds a little bit and and draw information off of their emotions and find out like what's causing that emotion. She, um, you know, I don't want to spoil anything in the game but this happens relatively early in the game she develops the ability to actually like see the world through their eyes and try to better understand what's causing them their emotions mm-hmm. so that's the strange bit of the game um but yeah the game's really center on pretty fairly grounded like human interactions uh they center on like relationship building between your main character and the people around you the decisions that you make often influence the narrative uh in sometimes subtle sometimes less subtle ways uh there's some things that you can have a dramatic impact on there's other things that will just kind of impact uh bits of dialogue from other characters throughout the game uh, but you are kind of you're you're going around the world, you're interacting with other people in the world, and you're making dialogue decisions that will influence your relationship to those characters and the direction that the story takes. Mm-hmm. That's the setup. How are you liking it? I'm loving it. This is my first real Life is Strange game. Um, like I know you're a big Life is Strange fan, so I'd heard of it from you. Um, I just I don't know what I don't know. It never lined up with the right time in my life to draw me in but this game came out and um i was really excited to have the opportunity to play it um i also feel like i loved hearing you talk about the title of life is strange it kind of makes me think like it also feels like life is strange because even in the first you know like you're making hundreds hundreds and hundreds of decisions throughout this game and it kind of can feel like a small decision you made like just like a real person, like a thoughtless thing you said or um, a choice you made that maybe was selfish and you couldn't immediately see the implications of which or something that you said that was supportive actually meant a lot to someone and influenced them. Um, Like it's just strange the way things work out sometimes. And I think it really encapsulates that too. Um, It's, I mean, immediately I was struck within the first opening moments of the game by how expressive it was. Like, I don't think I've ever seen so many micro expressions just traveling across someone's face as I did in the first few moments uh, where Alex Chen, the protagonist, a 21-year-old who's um, appears to be sort of graduating from a program um, where they were staying with other um, young people who have experienced um, some kind of uh, like mental illness or um, experiences. Like it seems like sh- uh, she has had 
past violence in her life. Um, she's, you know, grew up in the foster care system and had to really fight to protect herself. Um, and so, you know, this is just someone who's coming into adulthood off of a lot of trauma. <laughs> um, and uh, it opens with a, an interview with her and her doctor, kind of uh, like an like an exit interview. And you're just seeing, it, like, you're just, this is the first two minutes with this character. And yet I feel like I saw dozens of emotions cross her face. And it's certainly the most expressive, like, model in a video game that I have ever uh, encountered. It felt like so cinematic, like I was watching a show. Um, I was yeah. I was just really struck by that because I think too it speaks to um, how emotionally she's emotionally in touch with herself as well as everyone around her, and maybe that latter part is forced and not something that she sees more as a curse than a power. Um, but I've never seen a more emotive character, which I was really excited yeah. about. Uh, I don't know if yeah. you have any observations there. No, I and I think you know. So I've I've beaten the game Life is Strange True Colors and I have played all the other Life is Strange games including the one that was basically tell me why oh, uh, right. it's essentially a Life is Strange game it's made by Don't Nod which are the developers that made the first Life is Strange game uh, this game is made by Deck 9 because the Life is Strange brand um is owned and operated by Square Enix and they have actually um passed the the mantle around mm -hmm. to these two different developers don't nod and deck nine uh the game that deck nine made previously was uh before the storm which was the prequel mm -hmm. to the first season of life is strange anyway i kind of digressed a little bit there but what i was getting is i've, I've played all of the games this one by far took the biggest leap in terms of uh graphical fidelity mm. and, and and none of the games even this one are not this is not your CGI powerhouse of a game, right? This is not the game where everything looks true to life and is incredibly detailed. And uh, it, it's not that like, these are not games that that's not where they're putting their budget towards, nor do I think they necessarily should. But what I found really interesting with true colors is that they very clearly were like, we want to put time and effort and money into what we think is really essential to telling these stories. And it's very clear that they put that time and money and effort into making the characters emote and, and behave like their yes, their facial expressions are some of the most. And even then it's not like I look at Alex Chen's character model and I'm like, Oh my God, it's not like uncanny Valley. It's not like, mm -hmm. Oh, that looks like a real person on the screen, but the minutia of the way the face moves, the eyes move, um, the, the expressions that are able to be conveyed on the face is some of the most detailed that I've seen in a game. And, and they do it with kind of simple strokes. I just think it's really genius the way they applied their resources to that because you know, I think sometimes developers get really hung up on making everything, you know, bringing everything up to a certain quality level. And they were like, you know, we don't need the entire world to look realistic. We don't need it. Like all that can be more broad strokes. But what this game is about is about humans interacting with each other. And so we want that to feel really authentic. And so they put the time and energy into into those character expressions. I think it makes a huge impact on the story mm -hmm. and the way the characters look and, and relate to each other. And I found all that stuff really really impressive. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, I was also pretty struck by the setting in which the game was placed. Like it's a town called something Springs, Colorado, Haven, Haven, Haven Springs. Springs. Yep. And I mean, it feels like you're stepping right into a postcard. We were recently talking yeah. about the game Lake. Um, and this is a very different game from Lake, but I feel like one thing that did feel 
uh, related to me was just the feeling of being bathed in light and, and beautiful nature, like just one beautifully rendered water and trees and mountains. Um, and this little picturesque town sort of nestled in this valley. Uh, it's like one main street with little shops and there's a dispensary and a bar. And like, I just, I just felt like I was in Colorado. Like it, uh, it was very thoughtfully and I think lovingly, um, rendered. Yeah. Now the, the environments are, you know, I'm not, when I say like, they're not putting their time and effort into the graphical fidelity of the environments. I mean, the environments still do look really good in this game. They're very lush and colorful. Um, Haven Springs has like a very bright. This is also the first time that they've let you, they've given you like kind of these open world elements, like mm-hmm. in small form, right? Haven's a pretty small town, but there's a lot of moments in the game when you kind of have free reign to just kind of run through the town, um, which is new for the Life is Strange as a, as a format too. Um, usually the areas you're able to roam in are pretty contained, like maybe to a room or a house mm. um, or a backyard. Like it would be pretty small. So the this game is definitely taking a lot of big steps for Life is Strange as a series. But those to the the point of the environments, the, the one thing that I think the Life is Strange games do so well and that this game continues in that vein is they they not only give you a pretty space to exist in, but they give you opportunities to actually sit and reflect and enjoy that space. Um, There's a moment even in the first episode that you played, right? When you first arrive at Haven Springs Mm -hmm. and you're kind of taking it all in and Alex is here. She's, uh, she's come to Haven to reconnect with her, um, her older brother. They were separated as children. He was put into a separate foster care home. Um, but now that she is out of the the program that she was in, he's invited her to come live with him here in Haven. Um, her brother's name is Gabe and they, she gets off the bus and they meet on this bridge and it's a little bit awkward. You can kind of choose how awkward you want it to be. Like if Alex is more excited to see Gabe or if she's more nervous, you can kind of make those dialogue decisions. But after you guys have a moment to reconnect with each other, you're both just standing on this bridge and it just gives you a moment. Like the game will have these moments where uh, (laughs) a really, you know, a charming little indie song will start playing. You'll get the twang of a guitar or maybe a few tickling piano keys. And it'll start uh, just showing like still shots of the environment that you're in as the character is standing in it that feels almost like a music video. It's very cinematic. And there'll just be a little button prompt that appears for a moment in the uh, lower right corner that says, press this button to leave. Mm -hmm. But you can stay in those moments for as long as you want. The song will just keep playing. The beautiful imagery will keep playing across the screen. And the character in this moment is, is presented in a pensive state. So in this bridge scene, Alex is and Gabe are just kind of leaning on the bridge and they're looking at the, the water that's flowing beneath them and just kind of taking it all in. And I think the game does a really good job of giving you these, you know, they're optional. If you don't want to take these moments, you don't have to take them. But for a game that's so focused on um, emotional beats on telling, um, I think sometimes leaning into melodrama, but (laughs) They're emotionally powerful and resonant stories where a lot of intense stuff has the potential to happen. Um, And I think in most games, most games don't want you to put the controller down. Most games Mm. want to keep you engaged all the time. They want to keep you running from intense event to intense event. And Life is Strange is like, okay, something intense just happened. Why don't you take a moment and Mm. process it? 
and breathe and sit in that moment and listen to this pleasant music and the character will have some musings and you as the player can just have some musings and you can just <laughs> kind of sit, you can just kind of sit in process. I think that's really powerful. I don't think a lot of, a lot of media in general uh, creates space for processing and reflection within the medium. <laughs> um, so I've always really re- appreciated that about the life of strange games. And this one certainly continues that practice. Yeah. I, have been struck by how emotionally like the emotional capacity of the game um it reminds i think my main complaint so far is that i want things to move faster i want the ability to speed up a cutscene. i want the ability to run you can walk or you can walk slightly faster <laughs> you know like I, I i wanted i wanted it to move quicker and I feel like um, the game has sort of been an exercise for me in slowing down. And it really kind of brings me to um, the therapy I've been doing, which is outside uh, with a therapist that I uh, take walks in the forest with. And always, always, if I'm talking down a trail that gets like I start getting agitated or I start getting upset or I start, um, you know, circling in my mind um, the same Thing or, or, I, or I'm getting all caught up in my sadness or, or anger or pain or whatever that I'm starting to kind of lose my grip. She'll always have me kind of take a step, slow down, take a breath, let my gaze rest where it wants to rest. She always says, like, let your gaze rest, focus on your breathing, and let your eye be drawn where it wants to be drawn, and then tell me what you notice. And what I notice is things in nature, the way the light is moving through the water or the way a little animal just crossed our path or a certain flower or a mushroom that I just noticed. And I just love, like, I think this character is someone who, because of her power, she is very strongly empathetic to the point where other people's emotions infect her and cause her to lose control of herself because she's so caught up in the strength of what they're feeling like she's someone who's had to in order to survive develop uh the capacity to self-regulate self-soothe and find her center to meditate uh in a lot of ways and to just kind of like take an approach towards approaching like her own mind with curiosity and empathy and patience um, which is something that takes years for people to develop in therapy. That's something that I'm working on right now is like just the ability to, to process and hold space for the things you're feeling and to acknowledge them. Um, because even though it's you and yourself, like ignoring yourself uh, or invalidating yourself, like those have real effects on on your ability to cope and your ability to move forward and your ability to process and, and understand your own emotions. So I think the fact that this game is not like putting you in therapy, but is teaching you through your surroundings and through your interactions as this character to kind of like take your fear, take your anger and move through it or try to understand it in a gentle and open way. Like that's something that people (laughs) go to therapy for years to figure out how to do. So (laughs) I've just been really struck by that because immediately I felt like I was like, oh, this is just like what I do with my therapist. And I I love that this game is showing me this in a way that doesn't feel like it's preaching to me or or talking down to me or being like, oh, this is a game about 
mental illness. It's like, no, like these are all just yeah. skills for life. These are skills for life. Um, yeah. And, and I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You heard it here first, folks. Life is strange. True colors. Sixty dollar <laughs> therapy. Yeah, sixty dollar <laughs> therapy. Considering that therapy is like twenty dollar copay per session, that's like a month of therapy. Yeah, it's like a twelve hour <laughs> game. That's like twelve yeah. therapy sessions there for sixty dollars. It's yeah, fucking it's a bargain. <laughs> hell of a deal. <laughs> nah, but I, you know, I'm I'm really excited uh, for you to keep playing this game. It. Like I said before, I did finish the game. I It is my favorite Life is Strange game with a bullet. I have liked them all. I think this one takes uh, some really noteworthy steps um, in, in the right direction. The series has always been a little bit melodramatic. Mm-hmm. The writing has sometimes felt slightly inauthentic or like uh, a lot of the games have focused on high school age kids and you can kind of feel that they are not talking and acting Mm. quite like high school age kids. Um, This one ages the main character up a little bit. And I think that was the right choice. It like feels uh, the dialogue just feels more right for the Mm -hmm. characters that are speaking to each other. Um, So while I've always enjoyed the games, this one is definitely an improvement in all ways um, and the be- the best of the bunch. And I think probably a, a don't miss it experience for this year if, if you're into games at all. Um, mm-hmm. The one uh, complaint issue, I don't know. I just <laughs> the the strange bit of life mm. is strange. <laughs> <laughs> the powers i just i am ready for us to leave it behind mm. I, i'm ready to just get stuff that feels like more slice of life i also don't need quite the degree of of melodrama or extreme events that mm. they imbue uh, the stories with um i think sometimes that can this game less so than any of the others in my opinion but i just think it it has the at a certain point, it's like, oh my gosh, and this is happening now too to this person. Like most of these mm. stories center around characters who are going through really intense or traumatic events. And uh, sure, that makes good storytelling. But I just think when you clearly have a team of writers who write human interaction so well, who are creating such a, a great space to play with emotion and character dynamics and relationships. We could probably also tell stories that aren't about the worst day of, of these right. characters lives. Um, and, and it could still be really interesting. So I'd be game to see that. Um, I'd be game to see that. And I think that would feel a little bit less. Um, I don't know. They just have the potential to feel a little bit, after school, especially or mm-hmm. teen drama, there's just a, they're a little bit emo <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I still love them for that. And, and the emotions that they bring out are still really real and powerful. And, um, I, I always like, I just get obsessed with the characters in these games and when yeah. they're finished, you kind of feel like you're leaving behind a group of friends that you made. Um, but yeah, they could just, they could probably dial that back a little bit and it would feel a bit more authentic and I would love it just as much. But, right, because like yeah. someone having powers, like, <laughs> you, like it's it's simultaneously like grounded within a very real world mm-hmm. and at the same time it's like, and also you have these powers that no one understands and they're so strong and mm-hmm. influence have changed the trajectory of your life and it's like, okay, so are we going to focus on that a little bit more? But it's like, <laughs> no, the power just becomes like just part of your character's like thing. And it's like, yeah. 
it almost feels like, oh, because it's a video game, we have to give the protagonist some power or something to mm-hmm. make this sort of emotional intelligence make sense. And it's like, no, I honestly uh, keep forgetting that I have powers until there's a scene where it's like, use your power to do this. And it's like, oh, right. That's a thing. Like I was yeah. getting all caught up in the human, very human stories being told <laughs> here in this picturesque town. So like, yeah, yeah I, I, I feel like it's almost like the story is trying to carry like by default, something has got to sort of fall by the wayside. I think we're focusing on these characters. And so like the powers are not really the point of the story, but yeah. as a result, it kind of, I don't know, it loses its place a little. Like, I'm not sure what to do about that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like, aside from the first game where, you know, the main character had the ability to rewind time. So it had a very, um, well, mm-hmm. it's, you still didn't need it. It felt very intrinsic to the narrative, this mm-hmm. time rewind thing. So it made a lot of sense. And I feel like they've kind of kept throwing the powers in there, but I don't know if any of the games since have needed them. Um, and, and to that point, like before the storm, which is the previous game that Deck Nine made, which was the prequel to the first Life is Strange, that didn't have a character in it that had a super, like a power mm-hmm. like this. Uh, that there was nothing like that in that game. And that game is, uh, like still uh, i don't know it's probably tied with life is strange 2 for my second favorite in the series mm. so they they don't need to have this like alex could have just been an empathetic person and just right. been getting <laughs> getting like natural insight into yeah. like w- without having to like read people's minds yeah right um and like absorb their emotions like and that still could have been a really compelling story right like there's this scene where I'll just, I'm going to try to do it without spoiling, but a character is very sad and standing in Alex's apartment and Alex goes, oh, I must use my powers to figure out why this person is so sad and understand how I can help them. And the extent of using the powers was walking around the apartment, looking at a foosball table, looking at a picture of two friends, looking at, you know, some alcohol and then being like something happened at a bar between these two friends and <laughs> I will now, I now understand enough to help you. And it's like, I feel like you could have just understood that by talking to her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, there's a very like obvious reason why the character is sad that you wouldn't have right. had to read their mind to find <laughs> so, out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you probably could have like come up with a way to try to help this person feel better without having to read their mind as well. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, just talk to people, people. (laughs) Yeah, well, and I just I I guess I just find myself thinking, like, how much more emotionally resonant that could be too to, like, show someone that, like, you don't need superpowers to be able to, like, help someone when they're sad or, like, try to connect with someone across an emotion. I I don't know. (laughs) It's just like, these are very natural human things that we have to do. Mm -hmm. So, and and I feel like Deck Knight is, like, trying to lean in that direction, but uh, whether or not they... It, it feels like the superpower thing is is becoming more of a uh, like something that's tying their hands mm. um, from telling the narratives they want to tell, as opposed to something that's adding to the narrative at this point. And mm. I would really be fine with us just letting it go. Life is strange, even for people who don't have superpowers. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> well, I have to say, I was um, one of my favorite books growing up was Parable of the Sower. Parable of the Sower by Octavia Butler. And that book also um, centers on a heroine who has this power of empathy. Mm. And it's so strong that it can be debilitating at times. 
Um, but being able to feel other people's feelings, um, it's almost like, like queerness in that it forces mm. you to kind of understand and keep yourself open to the idea that there are lots of people out there who are different from you. And there are also like tons of very valid ways of existing. And also that even when we're racked with emotion, we still have choice. Um, mm -hmm. And also that the only constant in life is change and even an emotional state can fluctuate from moment to moment. Um, mm -hmm. And so I, I just really loved, I, I think after reading that book, I was transformed and I was, I've never really seen many stories about empaths or, or this kind of power. Like there's tons of vampire and werewolf and wizard <laughs> and stuff out there, but you don't really get to experience a lot of this, of this kind of this power. Um, and I think something that's so rooted in just the human condition of like emotions are magic emotions can be transformative emotions mm -hmm. can take your breath away um and fundamentally change the course of your life and so um i just i really enjoyed that aspect too yeah and in the way that our emotions can impact other people especially people who are paying attention to what our emotional mm. state is right like part of Alex's whole thing is that she's receptive to other people's emotions. And so those emotions can impact her and cause her to have a similar emotion. Mm -hmm. I just think that's, that's really like, you don't need a superpower for that either. Right. If yeah. you're, if you're tuned into another person and you're paying attention to them and their needs and their desires, and you're aware of their emotions, their emotional state will impact you as well. And, and vice versa. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Thanks, social anxiety. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the <exactly>. real superpower. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I would love to rebrand that as a social power, <laughs> as, as a superpower, my anxiety. Yeah, this is going to be part of, crucial a part of my trauma healing is Life is Strange, True Colors taught me to see my anxiety as a superpower. Oh my God. <laughs> that is such a great, that's a great read. That's yeah. a great read. Please bring that to your therapist. I, I shall. <laughs> <laughs> Get, get their opinion on it. Uh, well, folks, we have an interesting episode for you today. Mm. Uh, because today, well, not today specifically, but around this time. Yeah, let's call it today. Let's call it today. <laughs> Why not today? Why not today? It's our one year anniversary. Ah! We've been doing pixel therapy for a whole fucking year. What the hell? Also, yeah. we've recently, I think it's a beautiful thing. We've recently hit 50,000 downloads a year later. One year Holy later, 50,000 downloads, 28 episodes, 28 episodes, uh, two bonus episodes. So technically 30 episodes, but we're saying 28 official episodes. Um, yeah. So our, our first two official episodes released on September 22nd, 2020. And we had an intro bonus episode that came out a week before that on the 15th, but we're calling September 22nd, like our anniversary the date. Birth. That's the birth. <laughs> the birthing <laughs> event. <laughs> oh, God. Ah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So we've been doing this for a fucking year. Um, so we thought uh, to kind of celebrate that a little bit and to mark the occasion because it's important to mark mm -hmm. important events in your life. Gross. Um, that's one of the key things to help fight burnout mm -hmm. is marking significant events, taking a moment to celebrate oh, growth really? and oh, adjustment. Nice. Well, yeah, because like part of burnout is like feeling that you're just in the grind all the time and nothing mm. ever gets anywhere. So taking a moment to say like, look what we accomplished and having a pause for that is really important. Um, Absolutely. 
So in light of that, today's episode, uh, we don't have a guest for you. I'm sorry if you're someone who <laughs> just skips to the interview. Um, bye-bye now. <laughs> and hi again. We're back. Hi, hi again. Um, th- because today's guest is us. <laughs> We're going to be uh, interviewing ourselves a little bit uh, mm-hmm. and talking a bit about uh, how this past year has been and uh, then sharing with y'all the main question that we ask all of our guests, which is, you know, what's a... What's a game in your life that's had a significant impact? And so Spencer and I are each going to talk about that. And I have to say right off the bat that I'm like, I don't know how all of our guests have just been like, oh, yeah, here's my game that impacted <laughs> me because this is hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like shout out to every guest we've ever had who like <laughs> responded to that question and came up with an answer. Yeah. Like, and there have been a few people over the last year that have been like, I need more time to come up with this. Um, and I I really understand yeah, I I, where you're now. coming from now. And mm-hmm. and for everyone who responded right away and knew what game they wanted to talk about, holy cow. You're a monster. What's it feel like to be able to make a decision? <laughs> <laughs> Can you teach me how? Yeah, please help us. All I know is be indecisive and have anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> Same. <laughs> uh yeah, but here it is. We're in the we're in the interview section now, and it's me and Spencer. And you know, I I just want to start by saying, like, thank you, especially if you're still listening mm-hmm. and hearing that we didn't have an interview today, didn't send you away. <laughs> yeah. away. Um, but also just like, yeah, thanks for hitting download. Thanks for hitting download 50,000 times. Holy yeah, shit. The, to the one person who hit download 50,000 times, we're really grateful to you, <laughs> our one listener. <laughs> <laughs> Downloading the episode on every every device that they have yeah. so that we get all, every single one of those downloads. Absolutely. But no, like to your point about how it's easy to it's easier said than done to like acknowledge. And I just remember when we first launched the podcast being like, okay, we'll try to hit, you know, two downloads a day. That'll be a huge win for us. Oh, our first benchmark was like, (laughs) if we could get an episode that has 100 downloads, like I'll die happy. Yeah, yeah. I'll die happy. And now our episodes uh, average a few thousand downloads. Yeah. And that's kind of crazy. Kind of insane. Yeah. Like I'm like. I don't know. It's just, it feels nice to have conversations that touch other people. Yeah. Yeah. Just to like know that, oh, I felt and thought a thing and that resonated with somebody else and made them feel and think and think and feel a thing. Mm-hmm. Almost like what we were just talking about with Life is Strange Two Colors and yeah. how our Empathy. emotional interior impacts other people. <laughs> Holy f- and also just how many people in the games industry like i don't know it's just i think the industry can feel like a monolith and also that i don't know there are people smarter and more interesting and more Mm -hmm. talented than me who have plenty of things to say about it but it's like i think we've had some really interesting dynamic guests on the show and, Mm -hmm. and folks who themselves are figures in the gaming industry and they not only were happy to talk to us, but were honored to be on the show and to have a platform to, yeah. to share their thoughts and to talk to people like us. And so, I don't know, it just reminds me, I think one of the things that's so special about game making and the community around games is that it's such an open or can be a very like open source culture. 
Like people are so willing to share not just what they've done, but how they got there. There's no, Mm -hmm. in the right environments, there is no gatekeeping. There's no hierarchy. There's no, um, you know, scarcity mindset about like, there's only enough resources for me or enough attention for me. Like there are also so many people in the gaming industry who believe that games belong in the hands of everyday people and that mm-hmm. it's not shouldn't be a mystery it shouldn't be shrouded in mystique like how games are made or who gets to be the chosen one to make them like games are are like art they're just an expression um and i love having the opportunity to talk to people who feel that way too yeah 100 percent agree and i just it's been so uh <sighs> Humbling isn't the right word. I'm just so grateful for every single person that got that email from us saying, like, mm-hmm. will you be on the podcast? And said yes. Like, even when yeah. we were... I, we're still, I still feel like we're kind of nobodies, which isn't... I don't mean to discredit all the folks listening to us. We so appreciate it. But, like, we're not... I don't know. It just feels like we're just two people just doing this and plugging away and trying to do the best we can. Mm-hmm. And the fact that folks that... I I know some of it is just like the way we lionize folks on the internet and someone can seem like something else because they have X number of followers Mm. or they've written for X site or whatever they can feel like, but it's been very, a very humanizing process because a, yes, we are all just human individuals like trying to get through this thing we call life and, and folks generally like, like to be invited to do things and share their expertise and have a fun conversation, but also just like the fact that so many people have been willing to give us that time and energy when it doesn't feel like we are anything big. And also that there is, there's no other places in my life where I feel like that kind of response is expected. Like I barely answer emails and the fact that we email people and usually within 24 to 48 hours, they're like, yes, I can't wait. Here's when I'm available. Let's do it. Like, I feel like I've never, like, even when I'm networking on LinkedIn, 99% of the time you send a message and you don't hear anything back. And so it, I think it really just speaks, just speaks to what, uh, it's so special, like the gaming community. Like, yeah, I, I just, I don't think it's so easy to just connect with people in most circumstances. No, <laughs> <laughs> no I, but I, the shared like, interest ha- holds such power. Yeah. And it's the, yeah, that willingness to lean in. And it is, it's the fact that like, I'm reaching across the divide of the internet to a stranger. I am a stranger to you. You're a stranger to me, but here's this thing that we both love and we'd love to talk to you about it. And the fact that someone is both willing to, you know, regardless of, of who they are, what their follower count is, that they are willing to invest their time and energy in that. And, and, do that with a stranger is, I don't know, man, it's really fucking special. And I feel very grateful mm-hmm. um, for, for all of the guests that have given us that, that time and been so gracious and, and everyone who is sitting here listening to this, mm-hmm. uh, because that's, that's a time and emotional investment too, right? Like you have so many things that you could be doing with your, your time on a day-to-day basis. So yeah. many, I, I don't like it, our lives are busy and full mm-hmm. and the fact that you're taking any time out of that to listen to be to, our besties to be our besties <laughs> to listen to us sit here and you know spit into a microphone uh it's it just it means a lot it means yes. a whole hell of a lot it's pretty gay you guys <laughs> <laughs> so jamie you know we've talked a bit about how 
the podcast has affected us and just some of our reflections on the past year. Um, do you feel like anything's changed about the way that you approach games or your relationship to gaming itself? Definitely in the this this year of our Lord 2021. <laughs> yeah. I would say, yeah, in the last uh, you know, eight to nine months, I have I've stopped trophy hunting. <gasps> Because but that's I like your thing. Play more games, but trophy hunting takes a lot of time. Like you get stuck on the same game for a long time. Damn. I've just been. There's still games that I'm getting the platinum in that I like. I got the platinum in Ratchet and Clank. Like if I really mm-hmm. love the game, I'm still getting it. But I'm not feeling like I need to do it for every game. Mm-hmm. Um. Or if a game's like, yeah, you can get the platinum. Just replay the entire game on hard. I'm like, no. Like uh. that's not. That's not a time investment that that I want to give you. Um, and I, I think that has been a huge impact of the podcast because I'm first of all, letting go of the need to feel productive mm. with my gaming, but I'm also just like, there's so many games to play. Why would I like zero in on this one game and feel like I didn't complete it? If I did, I don't know. I'm just having an easier time mm-hmm. being more fluid. Uh, yeah. with the games that I play and the amount of games that I play. Um, my like list of games that I played this year is like twice as long as the list last year. Wow. Um, and some of that is just like, yeah, I want to make sure I'm moving around and playing things that bring me some level of joy or interest uh, so that I part, it, you know, part of it's like, yeah, so I have something interesting to say on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it felt like that's, it's it's felt like the excuse of yeah. trying not to get stuck on anything for the yeah. podcast has opened me up to mm. just paying attention to what I'm actually wanting to think and feel and play. What Absolutely. about you? Has your relationship to gaming changed? Um, well, I mean, I feel like I, I'm on the converse of that. Like I relate to what you're saying, but in terms of, I feel like I'm approaching games with a little bit more discipline or respect perhaps like i think i've been i don't i'm i still haven't platinum the game so it's not i'm still working on this platinum platinum love um but like i just i i feel like I'm spending more time with them. I'm not just mm. rushing through them to get to the end and have the gratification of knowing what, ha- quote unquote, knowing what happened. I mm-hmm. feel like I'm more, I'm paying more attention to the many layers that are at play and the, the scale of these games. Like I, I think something that I've become more aware of is not just the the layers of the game in the game, but also all that it took to make it happen. Uh, I think I was really struck by the moments throughout this past year where we've talked about a game and then the developer has responded and and been like, Mm -hmm. thank you, or has shared an episode and been like, I really appreciated this. Um, There's just something that I clicked in me where I was like, oh my gosh, people are, there are someone on the other end who created this thing and Mm -hmm. they're listening to me, some random person about what I have to say (laughs) about that thing that they pour their heart heart and life and soul into. Yeah. And they are respecting it back. Like there's just something, there was something really powerful there about the exchange of, of energy. And it also, I think made me more, more sensitive maybe, or more like, I feel like I see so much of 
of people in games now. Like mm-hmm. I, they feel so much more human and important to me because I know what went into it and how much time it took and how much concentrated effort it took. And also that like, I don't know, I think sometimes when you're playing a game, it can feel like I feel a lot of things and I've had a lot of life experiences. And so I can get very up in arms about certain things that maybe don't hit me the right way. Or Mm -hmm. I can say like, why didn't they just do this? Or why didn't they just do that? And I think not, I'm not saying that critique isn't important or necessary. Mm-hmm. I think I, I love feedback and I think critique is, is a necessary part of growth. Um, mm-hmm. But I think just being made aware of all of the humanity that goes into it, it, it just changed something in me where I feel like I just appreciate games so much more. And maybe I have more empathy for seeing them as like fluid, changing, living works of art. Um, and okay. And I want to pause there and be like, does it mean like, you know, oh, sexism is fine in games because it was a human experience and some humans are sexist. It's like, no, that's not what I'm saying. (laughs) Yeah. This isn't a pass for folks to (laughs) like include, uh, (laughs) any sort of, uh, bigotry in games. Right. But I think I'm just, I don't know. I'm just all over again. I'm struck by all of the levels at which games work on you. Like even with this life is strange example, like, Mm -hmm. um, I know that there's someone and many people I'm sure who worked on that game, who are living with anxiety, who are living with debilitating mental illness, who struggled to get out of bed, who have experienced loss, who have experienced pain and like, they're transmuting that into something powerful that like lots of people can relate to. Mm-hmm. Um, that's crazy. Like, I don't know. I, I don't <laughs> feel like that, that's just such a gift and such a power mm-hmm. in and of itself. Like, I think, you know, anyone who's gone through trauma or has had life experiences that have shaped them, like they're under no obligation to share those experiences or make them marketable to others. Um, yeah. I think survive just surviving through that, moving through that, uh, letting it change you. Um, like those are all that alone is incredible and should be, uh, lauded. Um, and also people who are able to, you know, turn it into experience that can be shared with others. Like, I just feel like what else is the point of being human, but to, be able to share things like that. So I know I'm getting kind of, I'm getting all woo woo and stuff, but like, <laughs> I, I just feel Isn't like that what we do here. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But I'm not, I, I just feel like the world has opened up. Like I'm seeing inside the matrix of a game. Yeah. I'm not just seeing it as a physical object anymore. I'm seeing it as a manifestation of so many things. And um, I'm also just struck by how they are portals through which you can reach through and and touch someone else like there is someone on the other side of the game um and just the things that we're saying on the podcast that that can reach them and there can be a connection there like that's incredible too like i don't think i could ever experience that with a movie or book like it's just not a thing so uh it's just cool yeah it is really cool has anything changed uh, in uh, your relationship to me? <laughs> oh, 
Jamie. <laughs> I say that, but I wrote all the questions ahead. I was, like, yeah, oh. was going to say, like, I would never, ever ask this question um, of my own volition. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, I, I do think working on this together has strengthened our relationship. Like, I feel like our friendship has matured in a lot of ways. I think we've seen sides of each other that we haven't that we haven't shown each other before. And I think that that's been like, if anything, it's brought us closer. Like I think, Mm -hmm. um, like I think that's the real litmus test of friendship is like, how are you when you're stressed or how are you when you're upset or how, and it's not like we've ever, I don't think we've even had a fight and which is kind of crazy considering like this year. Um, and, and like working on something like this with someone, like you're bound to kind of like butt heads, but I don't even think, I don't even think we've had a moment like that. Like if anything, um, we've had like, I don't know, surface level disagreements about like, hmm, should we schedule this or should, should we talk about this or should we talk about that? But yeah. it, like, I don't know. I just think so much can come out when you're working on something that you're both very passionate about and then are also two very, very, very different people, which we are. Um, <laughs> and just, I don't know. I just, the fact that I feel like we... Uh, I don't know. Like, I feel like we're two sides of a coin. Like, I feel like yeah. you fill in the areas that I are the strengths that I don't have. And like, or I don't know, not that I don't have, like, it's just you are the other side of me. <laughs> <laughs> of the nickel that is you. Or I, don't I don't know. Do you want to like, be a quarter? What do you <laughs> Let's be a penny. It's like expensive and useless. <laughs> there we go. Uh, we'll be the two sides of the penny. Yeah. Now, I mean, what you're saying resonates. I definitely think the podcast has brought us closer together in, um, in a like very uh, like honest and transparent way. Like mm-hmm. I think we've had to be super honest with each other to be able to do this for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's like, yeah, no, we haven't gotten into any major disagreements or fights because like we're both invested in like just making a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, which isn't to say like, I'm sure I've irritated you. <laughs> with my, like, I'm sure I've irritated you. Slack messages. But it's like, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't boil into a fight because we kind of like those irritations get kind of left at the door when we're, uh, in the, in the interest of like making a good podcast and remaining friends, we're not like none of it's deal breakers. Right. right. Like I think we accept each other the way that we are at the end of the day. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, but I think it's, it's been fun mm-hmm. and rewarding yes. to <laughs> get to know you better, to become better friends with you. Uh, I definitely think this is the most honest uh, and comfortable relationship that I have aside from my partner, with my, the one I have with my partner. <laughs> Take that, Booker. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, Tess. Uh, well, you know, don't really have like, those are, you know, I don't know. The relationships with my, my dogs are pretty different, I think. <laughs> you know, it's a little one-sided. Um, I tell my cat everything. Okay, well, you know, <laughs> to each their own. Nah, but but it's been great. It's been a lot of fun. And yeah, I'm I'm glad that you have uh given me the space to be a neurotic project manager. <laughs> I and, need it. <laughs> and, and that like that 
energy has been welcome and that I've also tried to like, I feel like my relationship with you helps teach me how to be more uh, patient, flexible, flexible. <laughs> That patient, I don't know if like <laughs> patient's not the right word. It's flexible. Like you prefer to kind of do things in a more uh, in the moment way. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot harder for me. But by, I've like leaned into that. And I feel like I've, I'm slowly getting better at being more flexible and being able like I don't have to have every second of a thing planned out. <laughs> in order for it to go okay that's her Uh, nice way of saying spencer is constantly winging it and i have learned (laughs) to cope with that uh no i I, I don't know i do feel like you at the same time have sort of taught me like the importance of planning that sounds like so uh i don't know it sounds like passive aggressive or something but i completely mean it like I don't know. I just there's a certain security and ease of stress that comes with like knowing what you're going to do and sticking to that. And I just appreciate you for kind of like holding me accountable and for, you know, (laughs) I don't know. I think I really struggle with just like being a consistent person. And so this podcast is, I think, the only time in my life where it hasn't felt eventually like something that I can't keep doing or that I talk myself out of or that I convince myself I don't deserve. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, I think a big part of that is you because I'm doing it like for us and not sinking into my own like anxiety and letting myself give up. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Thanks for being a friend. (laughs) Thanks. Thank you, too. Thank you, too. I mean, and I think, like, yeah, I don't know, you're making fun of, like, the ways you're teaching me to be able to, like, do, uh, just improvise a bit more. Like, that's fucking good for me. Like, (laughs) things don't need to be completely 100% nailed down, and I need to be okay with something shifting. And I think I, I am pretty good in the moment. I think this is what I'm learning about myself is like, I can handle things not going according to plan in the moment mm. and it's fine. And it doesn't cause me some deep distress and I can usually improvise quite well, but I have this thing in advance where I feel like it has to be all planned out in advance. Mm. Even if I'm going to be totally fine, if it doesn't go according to plan, I get all this advanced anxiety about the thing being completely figured out and <laughs> you're consistent. Like, uh, can we do this instead? And and be like pivoting and learning that like that's okay and like it was totally fine to pivot and having the plan didn't really get us anywhere. Like mm. yeah, just figure learning like where the structure is helpful and where it's not. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Absolutely. So, anyway, thank you. Well, thank you. First of all, <laughs> <laughs> first I mean, of all, an hour into the podcast. Yeah. First of all, thank you. <laughs> Now that we've been doing it for a year, where do you think, like, do you have any goals for where you want to take the podcast next? Like how you want to see it grow or change? Um, well, at once upon a time we were talking about streaming. Yes. And I think we've had some really honest conversations with each other about, uh, just the, the challenges of that. Like, Part of what makes the podcast sustainable for us right now is that it's it's still fitting within a time frame and a box that we can maintain. And like so much respect, man, to people who work full time jobs and stream. Mm-hmm. 
on a regular schedule, the amount of time and energy and effort, like streaming is not just like a fun side project. Mm-hmm. Uh, go pay your Twitch streamers. Folks. Yeah, if seriously. you're watching people on stream, drop them some money because that shit is hard work. Mm-hmm. And we didn't even try to do it. This is just coming from the research and looking into it. Mm-hmm. Like the amount of thought and effort that needs to go into that is it's pretty immense. And so I just don't know. I don't know if that's in the cards for us. I don't know if like I personally have that bandwidth or if that's personally what I want. Like it sounds fun in theory, but it's just it's a lot of work. Yeah. So for me, like when I think of like what what we want our next step to be, it's got to continue to be something that we can maintain, mm-hmm. which isn't to say I don't want to put more at like I don't want it to sound like I'm like this only works if it's no effort. It's still a lot of effort <laughs> what we're doing. I just want to be able to keep sustaining and becoming better podcasters, mm-hmm. uh, having more excellent guests on the show. I'd love to see our Patreon community grow a bit and not just because like I want more Patreon money. That's not at all what it's about. I just want to have more of a back and forth with our listeners. Yeah. But I also appreciate that like, again, you're a busy person. You've got shit to do. You don't have time to come into our Patreon and send us messages. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. Uh, You're already dedicating two hours to us yeah. <laughs> every week, other other week. Now we need yeah. you in the Patreon interacting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's like, yeah, but it would be nice to uh, to just hear a little bit more from folks to have a little bit more of a back and forth. Um, I don't know. It's parasocial relationships and all that, mm. but um, I feel like we're sitting here talking into a void and we get the messages back. We see the downloads. We know it's having an impact. Um, but I'd love for there to be a little bit more of a dialogue. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think that resonates a lot. Like I think the main reason that I want to stream is for that aspect of the mm-hmm. connecting with the people on the other side. Um, like every time we receive a DM or a comment or a YouTube subscription or an email, like it's, it, it's like hard to even put into words how it feels. Like it's just such a, like, it's like I receive one email and I'm like, this is why, this is why we do it. You know, like <laughs> yeah. it's just, it's so much more impactful even than the download numbers is just mm-hmm. seeing that someone took time out of their day to tell us in a personal way, like how they felt without even any expectation of us responding. Like us being, listening to the show is like enough of uh, a return. Like it it really feels like when you listen to a podcast, it really feels like a conversation, like you're hanging out with a friend. Um, And so, yeah, I think um, I've, I've not totally uh, given up on the street, on the dream of streaming. Um, (laughs) I don't know if it's something that we'd be doing like every week. It would definitely not be something that we were doing every week, at least to start until we're totally able to quit our jobs and become full-time <laughs> gaming content creators, well, which I'm still manifesting. Gotta, gotta, get the, gotta get the Patreon buddy. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, chicken, chicken, chicken. So I, for one, I'm still definitely like saving up for a computer that I can use mm-hmm. to game and stream. And, and, it, and I think that's definitely a goal for the next year is like at least once going mm-hmm. on Twitch or getting on the air and having a conversation or playing just playing a game together um, mm-hmm. like I, I feel like it would be a really cool way to just kind of, um, reach through the airwaves and touch something real. Like, I, I just feel like with podcasting, like you said, we're talking into a void. And so, mm-hmm. um, just continuing to build 
community with y'all and um, finding opportunities for touch points, um, maybe even doing some kind of, whether it's a conference or even a live, like attending something in person would be really cool. So yeah, I think I think my themes for the next year are like connection and community. Like I just want to keep growing that side of it. Yeah, yeah, and and I, I yeah, I want to too, and not just for the um. There's obviously the dopamine hit mm. <laughs> of, of getting an email, getting the like, getting the follow, but it's also like when, and we have had people reach out via email. Um, on occasion. And those emails are so fucking precious to me, not just because it's an opportunity to hear uh, from y'all directly and hear how the, the content that we're making is impacting you, but also it's an opportunity for us to like, like I can say thank you to this mic, like to you, all the, the faceless, like masses. But Mm -hmm. like when someone sends an email, we can say thank you specifically for this email that you sent us and for your listenership. And like, it's almost like putting a, you know, not a name to a face because we're still not seeing the folks who are emailing us, but it's just like, there's one, there's a person. Yeah. That's a real person right there. That's right. And they took this time and we get to have this connection in this moment. So I don't know. Send, send us your emails. Yeah. (laughs) Therapypod at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. Yeah, write us, call us. <laughs> <laughs> call us. Yeah, we'll set up a set up a voicemail box. Yeah, yeah. Um Spencer. Jamie. I think we should share a little bit about the games that have impacted us oh, now. I'm not ready. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm not ready. You're not ready? I, it's funny, like it it's it's just like any other episode, but it feels like there's just so much I'm putting so much pressure on myself because it's our one year anniversary, but uh, <laughs> it's so hard to just pick one game. I, I really struggled. Um, but yeah, so as you're saying, like we like to ask guests to share a game uh, that has influenced their life in a meaningful way. Mm-hmm. For me, I chose Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, and I just want to say, because I can't, I can't not say it that like, I feel like this may not be the only game, the only time that Jamie and I share games that have impacted us because I I could not get it down to one. (laughs) It was a tough decision. Yeah, like it's hard. Um, Well, well, I'll I'll talk more about Horizon, but what was yours just so that so that we know? Oh, we're just throwing the games out there. Uh, The game that I'm going to be talking about is Transistor. (laughs) Okay. All right. So... Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, this is a game that came out in 2017. It is a action role playing game by Guerrilla uh, Games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and published by Sony. Uh, and the plot follows Aloy, who is a young hunter in a world, a post, post, post apocalyptic world. It's been like thousands, <laughs> it's been like a thousand years since, since the wipeout of civilization. Um, yeah. Where people are now living in these kind of like nomadic scattered tribal like populations. Um, So this is a world overrun by machines um, caused by an apocalypse um, referred to like the people who existed in the, in the time before quote unquote now uh, are referred to as the old ones. I always kind of love this. I know this is like a common sci-fi trope, uh, but this kind of thing where, 
the in the distant past humanity was very technologically advanced and Mm -hmm. we had all of this uh you know these weapons and knowledge and um and then we were wiped out um and so the the world of today is kind of like uh sort of starting from scratch in terms of getting back Mm -hmm. to that um yeah and maybe they shouldn't but um you're living in this world and um Aloy has essentially been um and so she's kind of how old do you think she is in that game like 18 17 oh i feel like she's supposed to be a little bit older but maybe that's just because of ash like the voice actress ashley birch is Mm. a little bit older so i thought maybe she was in her yeah i guess i guess maybe she is supposed to be like 18 ish okay yeah but yeah, I think I think in my mind she was like mid twenties, but it, she probably mm. was supposed to be a bit younger than that, right? Like she kind of yeah, she kind of reads that way. But up to interpretation. Um, <laughs> they don't say how old she is. I don't think in the game. Yeah, but Aloy is a red haired warrior. Um, she's athletic. She's got gymnastic skills. Um, she uses yeah, mad gymnastic skills. A spear. And mm-hmm. arrows, and mm-hmm. uh, she has this cool the this piece of technology of the old technology. Um, it's called a focus. It's a small augmented reality device um, that mm-hmm. basically gives her these unique uh, perception abilities, um, mm-hmm. like being able to um, scan historical objects or understand uh machines and how they work um and these machines essentially it was like the world uh before Aloy's was one where the climate and kind of the ecology were uh being were spinning out of control relatable (laughs) and scientists had decided to invent these ais these ai animals like all of the robots that you encounter in the game and fight they kind of look like dinosaurs or um like predators um like one is cat-like and one is more like a rhinoceros and or a zebra you can ride and the alligator uh, ones alligator guys um and the intent was for them to sort of help the earth recover um but they were essentially corrupted with a virus and um became aggressive um Mm -hmm. and so aloy um you know she's living in this world and was totally cast out from the nora tribe which is the 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 civilization of people uh with which she's living and um she was raised uh by another sort of outcast and loner named rost um and he's voiced by jb blanc um and essentially it's about her coming of age um, figuring out her place in the world and also uncovering the whole conspiracy behind these monsters, these, uh, monster, uh, machines and how the world has come to be this way. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I know you played, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn too. So while we're doing this kind of plot recap, wasn't sure if you had anything, any, <laughs> uh, thoughts you wanted to share about it, anything that struck you? No, no. I mean, I I really enjoyed Horizon Zero Dawn when it came out. I <laughs> am perpetually salty at the way HCD got kind of uh, what I felt was like kind of short shrift or like kind of pushed mm. to the side because what, like a few weeks after Horizon Zero Dawn came mm-hmm. out, we got the launch of Breath of the Wild. <laughs> 
and that the uh, game took world the was internet never by the same. Yeah, the game <laughs> world was never the same. Everyone is obsessed with Zelda. I don't know. I I've never. I didn't grow up with Zelda. I don't have a touchstone to Zelda. I played yeah. Breath of the Wild. I was kind of like, okay, it's doing some cool things, but I don't understand why everyone thinks like the narrative of Breath of the Wild did mm-hmm. not grab me. I felt very lost. Yeah. I wasn't sure what I should be doing. Like the characters don't even have voice acting. I just had a really <laughs> hard time understanding why everyone was like, this is the pinnacle of game development. There's not even voice acting. There's not even voice acting. And not that like that is like, you can have an excellent game without voice acting. I'm not Absolutely. saying that like you can't have an excellent game without voice acting. But it's just very strange over. to me. <laughs> I, it was just really strange to me that I didn't, I just didn't understand it. And to some degree I still don't. And, and it's given me like perpetual salt, even though I can objectively see like the things that make breath of the wild, a special game. Mm-hmm. I am perpetually salty because I feel like horizon zero dawn did not get enough. Like horizon zero dawn was taking a lot of the things that already existed about open world games mm-hmm. and making them a lot better and make it in, in set in a super, what I thought was a really interesting world with a really interesting narrative, really yeah. interesting lore. I love the combat in HCD, specifically the combat against the mechs, mm-hmm. the human to human combat is definitely lacking. Mm-hmm. Um, the stealth elements definitely lacking. There's certainly real critiques that you could levy against HCD, but I just, uh, I thought there was so much more depth to what horizon zero dawn was doing versus breath of the wild. I felt like it kind of had like the one thing that it was doing, which was that like, you can go anywhere you can go climb that mountain. I'm just like, but yeah, was, is that fun? Mm -hmm. I wasn't always having fun with that in breath of the wild because often I was just finding I was getting stuck somewhere that i had managed to get to or encountering an enemy that was far too hard for me and i don't know yeah the climbing like uh the climbing mechanics and kind of exploration were really really interesting in horizon zero dawn like i I felt like they really seamlessly integrated waypoints into the scenery and into the landscape um Mm -hmm. and it uh it popularized the Faye style God of War, like this is the place where you can climb because of painted white markings, uh, which I yeah. so enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like I, it just felt like a really good evolution uh, and cross between what more uh, on the path narrative games like an Uncharted mm. had done to to show you where you could and couldn't go and and while still being an open world game. I just, I, I felt like the game design of Horizon Zero Dawn was very smart. Um, yeah. And even though it didn't reinvent the wheel, it, it was a, I thought a really smart evolution of what we had already seen in open world game development. Um, so I don't know, but then Breath of the Wild came through and like completely shifted what folks thought an open world could be like. And I understand why that was so amazing, but it was just like, but Horizon Zero Dawn was pretty cool too. And it mm-hmm. ended up getting talked about as though it was boring or didn't matter mm-hmm. or because it didn't do the open world the way Breath of the Wild did it, that it shouldn't get the same attention. But it's like, well, Breath of the Wild was like, nothing was like that before. Mm-hmm. Like that was its own thing. Um, so I don't know. It just feels weird to like shit on them for not doing what no one else had done before. Right. Anyway. Right. Still salty. <laughs> Are you can tell. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone go play Horizon Zero Dawn and get some freaking perspective. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there you go. There you go. But um, 
So, you know, masterpiece aside, like, uh, like seriously, everyone go play it. Uh, we could talk about, we could talk about it all day. Um, the reason why I think this game was particularly impactful for me at the time that I played it in 2017, um, was that it just really coincided with some, up some tumult that was happening in my own life. Um, Mm -hmm. so around that time, 2017 was actually when I came out, um, personally and professionally. Um, and I was actually seeing someone at the time. I remember it was actually like March or April of 2017. And, um, I told my partner, um, and this was someone I had been with for a couple years, someone that I had teased at marrying, even though (laughs) 2021 me is like lol i'm not ready to get married like (laughs) i'm just not emotionally mature enough for that yet i'm working on it though um (laughs) but i told this person um you know i think that i am going to start exploring hormone replacement therapy i'm i I think i'm trans and that this is something that i want to do and they were like very supportive um they were um you know, I thought, I thought everything was fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then basically a week later or, or just a couple days, the weekend before I was to start my HRT, um, they essentially, uh, ghosted me. Um, we, I, I did not see them again and I have not seen them since then. And I was incredibly depressed. I fell into a spell of just, you know, working, coming home, falling into bed, um, wasn't talking to anyone. Uh, I mm-hmm. was, you know, gr- newly grappling with this big shift in like this, you know, what was also a very celebratory time for me internally in terms of like starting hormones and, and, uh, starting the next phase of my like journey with my gender. I was also just like incredibly lonely and confused, mm-hmm. uh, and in pain. And so I picked up the game Horizon Zero Dawn. I remember it being like, this title makes no sense to me. Is this, <laughs> what is this game? <laughs> it's, it's like, what yeah, is the title happening? doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it makes, like, I, I, it really, like, it doesn't really make sense until you're like 75% through the game. And then you're like, oh, uh. but um, I just started playing it and I just really connected immediately with Aloy. Um, just as a character who, um, for reasons that they don't understand, has been cast out um, from mm. the community, um, where people who sort of, sort of look at them already mistrust them or have all these preconceived notions about who she is. Sorry, I'm using they, them pronouns, but she, Aloy, I'm talking about Aloy. Um, she largely has to depend on herself. She has to kind mm-hmm. of be her own parent her own uh cheerleader um and but it hasn't it hasn't affected her empathy or her kindness or her or her deep desire for love and acceptance like she still very Mm -hmm. much wants to be a part of a community uh wants to give and receive love but just doesn't know how to get it or how to you know how to get over this this wall that exists between her and the rest of her community so there was that um and also the fact that um aloy as a protagonist has received a lot of 
hate from the gaming community, especially mm-hmm. recently during the Horizon Forbidden West uh, previews, where she doesn't look feminine enough. She looks too masculine. She needs to wear makeup. She needs to, you know, look this, look skinnier, look whatever. Her face is too full. Um, and <laughs> like, no, I'm just head in, head in my hands right now. I can't even. I'm also, like, where? How is she supposed to have? T- I don't even think they've reinvented makeup yet. Like, can you just no, chill? No, no. <laughs> but also, like, she she's gorgeous. Anyway, I think it just you know at, at that time yeah. in my life, I was very much feeling ugly and undesirable, and I didn't know like as a trans person if I would find love again, or I didn't know if anyone would find me attractive, or if I. Like I felt, I felt very much like an outcast, like a freak. Um, and I just, and, and joining Aloy on this journey. Um, and I think, you know, something I'm learning in therapy now is, is how much of healing comes from within and, and how much capacity we truly have internally, um, to be like the parent for ourselves that we never had. Um, like that's something that I'm learning now. Um, like, but back then when I was playing the game, I still felt like I could look up to Aloy as this, uh, you know, role model for how I could cope with and overcome my own loneliness and feelings of, um, you know, what's the word? Like rejection. Um, like mm-hmm. she had the capacity. Um, she also has the curiosity and the empathy. She also like did eventually make, friends make connections and it was based on like her natural magnetism and just like personality and so so all of these things were just were just demonstrating for me that like it would get better um and also that like being alone isn't inherently a death sentence um and also that like gender is stupid and people can look however (laughs) they want and still be badasses and no one cares i think Mm -hmm. too for me personally like like i've always had a lot of uh distress around my face um like just like being a mixed Mm. race person like my face doesn't always look how people expect and i've received a lot of comments um like growing up people would call me the flat-nosed girl or the the smush-faced girl um, because mm. my face is very flat <laughs> because I'm Asian and like, uh, I think just how much of people have been like, Oh, Aloy's cheeks are too full or her face looks mannish. It's like, uh, and she's gorgeous and yeah. no one cares. And I relate to that, that kind of critique, like it just hit. Um, mm. and so I just, I really identified a lot with this protagonist. Um, the game also fucks. <laughs> um, <laughs> lots of things fuck today. Yeah, lots of things fuck today. We'll um, add HCD to the list. And I, it's never really been confirmed, but Aloy gives very, very many queer vibes off. So she's very much been adopted by <laughs> the queer community. Uh, so like, I don't know, maybe in Forbidden West we'll get to see some of that in action. But uh, <laughs> I, she just gives a lot of a lot of butch energy that I do so love. Yeah, she also like, I, I don't know, there's several, there's a few different characters in the game that feel to, uh, uh, specifically men characters in the mm-hmm. game that seem like they're trying to come onto her. And she's just completely like, I not, there's no, no interest yes. from her at all. And also in like a very like, <laughs> 
really? That's what you're thinking about now? Yeah. All this shit's going on and like there's shit to there's shit to do. It's like she just is I'm like, busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. <laughs> I'm busy. No, thank you. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> like, and, and yeah, really like oblivious to any sort of flattery or anything that they might be trying to level at her. But like, there, yeah, there's definitely a, like two characters I can think of in the game that it, I definitely got the sense that they were trying to like hit on her a bit and she's just not oblivious to it, but not even like acknowledging of it. Mm-hmm. Just not even like, oh, thank you. That's very kind. I no. I'm not interested. Like she just ignores it completely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's the kind of energy I need to bring more of into my life. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> but Jamie, um, tell us about Transistor. Well, uh, yeah, just like, you know. Thank you for sharing oh, all of that sorry, about Horizon. <laughs> no, no, you don't need to do anything. I just, uh, it, it was a special game to me too, but it's always uh, cool to hear other people talk about what made a game special to them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Transistor is a game that came out in sure May 2014. Is. That's what we talk about here. <laughs> Newsflash, this is a gaming <laughs> podcast, so we're going to talk about games, guys. Um, yeah, it came out in May 2014. Uh, I played it on PlayStation. It was one of the first handful of games that I remember getting on my PlayStation 4. Mm. Um, it was, it's a game made by Supergiant, uh, which if folks are regular listeners of Pixel Therapy, we talk about Supergiant pretty regularly. They are a developer that has made um, Bastion, Transistor, Pyre, and Hades. And we've talked about Hades quite a lot. The bane um, of Jamie's existence. And <laughs> now Boone. Existence. Now a boon. Now a boon. Because there's yeah. boons? Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, I got it. I got it. <laughs> now a boon. Um, yeah. So Supergiant is now, at this time, my favorite developer. I love all of their games uh, very dearly. I love their games for a lot of reasons. I love the world building that they create. I love the way they write and tell stories and the stories that they choose to tell. I love their art. That is definitely the first thing that always grabs me with a super giant game. Mm. Um, Gen Z, their her official title is... Um, artist yeah that makes sense <laughs> gen z their <laughs> artist is amazing and her artwork is amazing and i have a bunch of it hanging on the walls of my home uh they have great music made by darren korb and then i think when the uh when the no clip documentary uh about uh, well, was a documentary series uh when they started making that about hades and about Supergiant. um I learned a lot of information about how this was basically like a group of friends who decided they wanted to start making games together and then just did that and they have continued and it's still a studio. Uh, I don't know. It's just they're a really unique game development company, I think. And the games that they make are super special. But the reason I want to talk about Transistor is uh, the influence that Transistor had on my life is that it's the first Supergiant game that I played. Uh, It's also the first game that I chose to platinum uh, Mm. intentionally. Not the first platinum I ever got uh, because I used to play a lot of the Telltale games, Walking Dead, A Wolf Among Us. Uh, Anyone who's played those games might know that you can't help but platinum them. They essentially you get a you get trophies for each section of each chapter. They're episodic games. And so just by the nature of completing the game, you get the platinum trophy. I never really thought anything about it. 
Um, but Trans- Transistor is the first game that I like opened up the trophy list and was like, I want to achieve this. This seems like an interesting thing to do, and I want to see everything this game has to offer. So this game, the impact that Transistor had on me is that it both shifted the way I thought about how I played games uh, by making me a bit of a trophy hunter, making me think about how getting Platinums could expand the amount of the game that I saw and shift uh, what I felt I was accomplishing, quote unquote, by playing games, uh, for better or worse. Um, But it also was my entry point to this amazing developer that I've continued to follow closely throughout my life. Um, So a little bit about Transistor and what exactly it is. Uh, It is a third-person, isometric uh, game. It's action-adventure RPG. It can be played as both a real-time strategy game and as a sort of turn-based strategy game. Uh, So the game has a mechanic within it where you could just uh, hack and slash. You could just run up to enemies in combat and fight them directly without pausing the game or anything. But you you also have the ability to pause time and plan out your moves uh, against the enemies. And the game kind of encourages you to use both of those or choose. There's a lot of flexibility in combat. Um, It wasn't the combat, though, about the game specifically that drew me in. Uh, Like I said, the the artwork was incredibly impressive. The soundtrack was incredibly impressive as I was playing it. Um, But what really grabbed me was uh, not just the narrative, but how they doled the narrative out. I think a lot of the games that I had experienced playing before Transistor, I mean, at this point I had played Mass Effect, I had played Skyrim, I'd played a bunch of the Uncharted games. Like, I knew that I liked narrative in games, but there's Mm. really specific ways that those types of games give you narrative, right? It's cutscenes, it's moments of dialogue. Mm. There's like a formula for how a narrative is delivered in a game, right? Transistor, Transistor's main character, Red, um, So yeah, a little bit about the story. Red is a singer before the game starts. She's a singer at a nightclub in this uh, city called Cloudbank. And Cloudbank is a virtual city. They don't really ever quite explain what this means. But essentially, the city is not... It's not real. Like Everything's kind of talked about as though it exists within a computer. And again, they don't ever nail down exactly how that is what that means or like what that's what the relationship is to the real world. That's just, that's the world they've created the city that essentially exists within a computer space, within a digital space, the virtual city of cloud bank. Um, Red is a singer before the game starts at the very beginning of the game, her and her bodyguard who you come to learn is also her, her partner, someone that she's romantically involved with. Um, they're attacked. He's killed and she's left with this uh, sword called the transistor that has absorbed the essence of her partner and is now speaking with his voice. (laughs) So sad. (laughs) It is really sad, right? In the process, though, the transistor also absorbs her voice. So she doesn't have a voice uh, throughout the game. The main character that you're speaking is is her partner, the transistor, the sword. Um, You quickly start to realize that the city is being attacked by these robots called the process that are reforming the city. Um, And as you start to unravel the mystery behind this, you learn that basically a group of powerful influencers uh, living within Cloud Bank didn't like the way that the city was changing outside of their control. 
um, because this exists in this virtual space, uh, the city was open to creativity and change and things could shift. Mm-hmm. So in their efforts to try to control the way things are being shifted, they discovered this entity called The Process, which would allow them to edit the city in in their image or by their desires. So they start trying to control the process and start kidnapping influential people uh, throughout the city to continue to control things and make edits with the process. But in the, in the process of trying to (laughs) capture red and losing the transistor, they also lose control of the process and the process begins to destroy the city without their control and, and, and also destroy them. And so the entire city city is being gobbled up by these robots. Um, the, the folks who started this whole thing are being destroyed too. And red is kind of the only person who can stop it, but her motivations are simply to try to save this person that she loves um, and survive. So that's kind of the the narrative setup. In, in preparing for this conversation, I was like, I was trying to, I'd never looked at like reviews of Transistor or anything like that. So I, I was kind of like Googling to see like what people on the internet had been saying about Transistor. And by and large, like people don't talk about the story of Transistor. All the reviews are about the combat because the combat was really interesting in the way it let you choose if you wanted to pause time and plan out your moves or if you wanted to fight in real time. And then there's all of these different uh, functions that you can slot into the sword that shift up the way the sword functions and the way you fight. Um, all very, all really varied. Uh, not too dissimilar from the way Hades like uses the boons and and you apply all those different things to the way you fight and you have the different weapons like a lot of that is is DNA from Transistor um, in terms of that variety and so that that got a lot of notoriety in terms of the reviews that's what a lot of the conversation around Transistor was about because this narrative is like so vague but in, in reading through things I, I stumbled across just this like offhanded remark from someone who was saying like. Supergiant is really interested in endings, hmm. <clears throat> in the endings of things. And I, I don't know if this, if this carries through to Hades. I haven't thought about it enough. But when I think about Bastion, which is basically set at the end of the world, Transistor, this city, this virtual city that's being deconstructed by the process, and Empire, which is set in the afterlife, but you're fighting your way out of the afterlife mm. in a certain regard, which I guess is what you're doing in Hades too. I don't know. There's definitely, there's a theme here, right? That they're really interested at the way, at the way things end in transition. Mm-hmm. And I think that holds true for transistor as well. You're, you're in a dying city. The city is dying around you. And yet red is still fighting for this person that she loves. And there was just something that was really powerful in that to me. And for all of the vagueness that the overall plot provides you, you do end up getting a lot of detail about the characters, but the way they dole that out is incredibly fascinating to me and remains so to this day. Because again, like I said, they tell this narrative in a unique way, right? So you're given that little bit of information about Red at the beginning through this cutscene. Most of the information that you get about the world from that point on is given to you on pages within the menu Hmm. where you unlock additional information about characters, about enemies, about what's happening in the world by encountering those things. So even the functions and stuff that you put on your sword, the powers that you get as you use them, you then learn more information about them. And you can actually, again, you can see this DNA carries you to Hades, right? Like you unlock more information about 
the different Olympian gods, about the different Chthonic gods by interacting with them. And then in your, uh, your like journal, more mm-hmm. information will unlock and you'll get more information. Now, Hades has a lot of Hades has a lot of dialogue that fills that in. But in Transistor, like that was that journal is the because that's like Red's interior. Mm. You're not hearing her talk. Uh, her voice is gone. So you just have the journal space of the menu to learn more about the characters. And I don't know something about the way uh, the game encouraged you to continue playing it, to continue fighting, to in- continue engaging with other characters um, in order to learn more about them. And that was how you slowly unlocked the narrative really resonated for me. and was completely different than anything I'd really experienced in a game before mm. and really pulled me into the, the world that Supergiant was, was building. Um, and because I wanted to continue to unlock that information in the way they were doling it out, uh, I opened up that platinum list and was like, okay, how can I make sure I see everything this game mm. has to offer? <laughs> And so I went through and I got the Platinums. And, and like one of the trophies was around like you had to replay the game, the entire game and like turn on all these. Uh, they're called limiters in the game, but they basically are settings that make the game more challenging. Damn. And I played through it and I learned how to like fight in a way that still made it feasible. And, and I don't know. It's the first time I've challenged myself like that with a game. It was the first time I I played a game that uh, shared its story in this way. Mm-hmm. And it just really changed the way that I, it opened my mind to what games could do and how a game could tell a story. Like a game, I think before that point, I thought that games had to kind of borrow from film and tell stories mm-hmm. in these very cinematic ways. And this was a game telling a story in the way that only a game can. Uh, you couldn't, you couldn't tell the story of transit. You couldn't just directly translate that to a movie. Uh, or a book mm-hmm. um, because of the way they were asking you to engage and open up more information about things. So totally. Yeah. It, I it, transistor is the game that like really made me a gamer mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of someone who just wanted to interact with a, like play an interactive movie. Mm. If that makes sense. Totally. Ah, oh, that resonates so much. And it, makes me think about how like i feel like super giant in an age where guides and let's plays and you know in-depth walkthroughs are all just a, a click or a tap away i feel like they still manage to make game worlds that feel mysterious or like they're still mm-hmm. holding secrets and mm-hmm. it does make you want to just keep playing in a way and and because of all that's into it you almost like don't want to spoil yourself and just read it like you want to that feeling of uncovering it within the game um yeah and so that's just like a really special quality that i feel like they they really retain as a through line in all of their titles um especially i feel it in hades like and i do feel like that interest in endings is something that also resonates in all of of their titles um but I won't say more about that right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't fully finished the story of Hades, so there's probably more to learn there. But thank you so yeah. much for sharing that. Oh my gosh. Of course. And thank you for sharing about Horizon. <laughs> 
<laughs> I guess I'm not sure quite how to transition into the end of the episode because we've never interviewed ourselves before. We well, can't exactly bye. just say thank each other for being on uh, and say goodbye. But I, I don't know. I'll just, I guess I'll finish by saying one more time because I can't say it enough. Just thank you, everyone uh, that has made that. Thank you, Spencer. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, guests. <laughs> thank you, everyone. Thank you, our partners who have dealt with us yeah. locking ourselves in a room every weekend for and our cats on and dogs who are sad. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Just thank you to everyone who's made this past year of doing this podcast possible. And you know, here's to another one. Mm-hmm. All right, time is up for today's session of pixel therapy. Thank you for tuning in. And we truly hope that listening to our thoughts and feelings has given you some thoughts and feelings of your own. If you want more pixel therapy, come check us out at patreon.com slash pixel therapy pod, where you can snag that monthly bonus episode for just $2 a month. Plus have opportunities to get involved with the community and influence the show directly. If you're not up for contributing monetarily, but you enjoyed this episode, you can show your support for free by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts and following us on Instagram at Pixel Therapy Pod. That stuff is just as important and we appreciate it just as much. Remember that Pixel Therapy is a happy member of the But Why Though Podcast Network, so you can support us by supporting them and heading over to butwhythoughpodcast.com. That's though with a T-H-O. Take a peek at the inclusive geek community they are building around pop culture news reviews and kick-ass podcasts like yours truly. And you can keep up with all of this stuff and more by visiting our website at pixeltherapypod.com. Finally, since we like to put our money and our energy where our mouth is, we end every episode with a recommended side quest. This week, I am super excited to talk to you all about the Buckle Bunnies Fund. Um, So the Buckle Bunnies were originally founded in April of 2020 uh, when Texas, the state here in the U.S., uh, temporarily banned abortions at the beginning of the COVID-19 crisis. A group of young queer folks who were passionate about reproductive justice knew that they had the power to mobilize across Texas and help people get the abortions they needed. After seeing the momentum that they started, they knew they needed to make themselves a permanent fixture in abortion funding. Their work is done by unpaid volunteers who are dedicated to the autonomy of abortion seekers, not just in Texas, but everywhere. They are explicitly pro-abortion and believe that abortion is freedom, with absolutely no shame or stigma allowed, and will continue to, in their words, harness our beautiful rage into our work until every person everywhere is able to access abortion freely, safely, and on demand. Um, I was reading an article about uh, this organization because it was founded by a 21-year-old, a sex worker named Michaela Montoya Frazier. And in the article, she was she was talking about the Buckle Bunnies and she says, during the pandemic, our work with the Buckle Bunnies Fund has been nonstop because people perpetually need large amounts of money to access abortion, especially now because they're unemployed or their unemployment ran out. The way the fund works is that people can fill out the form on our site, but sometimes they also message us on Twitter or Instagram and tell us that they need an abortion. We see them through the process until the very end, and then we do follow-up calls and provide aftercare kits. Sometimes the relationship goes on for weeks or months. We help some people multiple times. There is no judgment in this, and we are in it with them for the long haul. Sometimes that means bringing people dinner, driving them to the clinic, or giving them money for a hotel. Um, so I just think that's an incredible, it's an incredible organization, incredible effort by a young person, a young queer person um, who's mobilized across the state. Um, abortion is banned in Texas right now. And it's very scary for anyone who uh, is pregnant or has the possibility of becoming pregnant. To learn more about this really awesome grassroots organization and to donate, visit bucklebunnies.org. Thank you for that side quest, Spencer.
that is our show for today. That is our show for our one-year anniversary. So everybody, go forth, run a story mission, level up some stats, and don't forget to hug an NPC every now and then. We will be back so, so soon with some more... Pixel Pixel Therapy. Therapy. Woohoo!